and so well I'll read the whole psalm it's a short one uh, but it's it <clears throat> it makes sense that one phrase will make more sense if I read the whole thing verse 1 says God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble reminds me of the early days of worship charismatic we have a lot of us came into the kingdom during that God is our refuge and God is our strength. They put any kind of tune to any psalm they could find because we had been neglecting worshiping God through spirit and truth, you know, according to his word. And so there were many, many, many uh, wonderful songs, uh, psalms put to music to help us to get into the presence of God. He's a very present help in trouble. Now, it didn't say he's a present help in trouble you didn't cause. He's present in all trouble. Amen. He says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. So no, whatever goes on, there's a bigger force at work, the streams of God, the rivers of God. And it says it it makes the city of God glad and the holy place and the tabernacles, the dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. He's talking about whatever city is trying to be moved because of evil. God is right in the midst of her. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He makes wars to cease. Unto the end of the earth he breaks the bow and cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. So really the psalmist here is telling us all of the great things about God. His power and his might and his majesty. How he's able to control the whole universe. How he's able to do anything. If war is going on, like we look at all these wars over the Middle East is, is like a, 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 a wrecked continent almost and and god stops wars amen he causes wars to cease they don't rage forever and ever and he causes the heathen to glorify him so there's nothing impossible for god there's nothing too big for him you know the devil struts his stuff and tries to act like he's got it going on and he can do this and he can do that and and uh, all of these uh, ungodly things, just because somebody's loud, that don't make them powerful. Amen? And because somebody's quiet, that doesn't make them weak. Amen? It takes more uh, self-control, more power to control yourself to bring peace than it does to bring war. Any idiot can start a war. Any idiot can get out in the streets and protest and all that kind of goofy stuff. Any, any moron could do that. 
But it takes a person of wisdom and it takes a person of vision and clarity and connection with God to bring about a peaceful result to get something done, to get results done. And so God wants to do that everywhere that he is. And we can only understand the greatness of God in the stillness of us. Amen. It it is in our weakness, Paul said, that we are made strong. It's in our releasing things to God that we know his real power. If we're up doing everything and, and carrying on and running here, there, and everywhere, uh, God can't catch up with you and he's not interested in catching up with you. He's interested in being God in your life. You got me? Period. He's not concerned about... All your little uh, appointments that you have and all your little uh, uh, things that you're working, your projects. and You know, I'm the CEO of my uh, whatever. <laughs> Look at these people. So these people, you know, they, they're like, and, and God bless them. You know, they got a two-year-old ministry and they're the CEO, CFO, and XYZ. And ain't even incorporated. You know, you understand what I'm saying? It's just... God ain't interested in all. He really is not interested in all of that. And most people are not. You know, you're just just messing your own head up, playing mind games with yourself, trying to make it so important. And so in, in the age that we live in, we have to be very, very careful that we don't get caught up in the busyness of everything that people do nowadays to fulfill their lives. Because without God, it's still empty. I don't care how many things you've got on your agenda and how many important titles you have and how much money you have and what you're working on and what you're uh, consuming and what you got your eye on, you're saving up toward. None of that stuff is important. Because God wants to reveal himself as God to you. If you miss the revelation of God and all you're getting and all you're planning and all you're trying to do this and do that. If you miss the revelation of God, you have missed it all. God wants to reveal himself to us in the process of our doing our busy thing or our wanting our prayers answered or our uh, planning for getting a vision for our life, all that stuff. He's more interested in the process because along the way he can get you to know who he really is. Instead of knowing what he can do, he wants us to know who he is. Amen? Because who he is is much bigger than what he can do. What he can do is limited to your imagination and your faith. He's much bigger than that. And so who he is is what he really wants to reveal to us. All of these interactions that God has had with the patriarchs throughout the word of God was always to let them know who he is. The first thing he told Moses was, I am, uh, I am, I am. So the, the question you come up with next is, you am what? He said, whatever. Huh? I'm it. The first thing people we have to become aware of is God is alive. When he told uh, Moses, I am, that meant I'm alive, I see you, 
I have plans for you. I've got. I am it. You fill in the blank. Whatever you need now. And whenever he would show up and talk to people again, he said, "I'm the same God that met you back so and so and such and such. I have not changed." And so he reveals himself. As the all-present God, pre-existent God, all-powerful God, the God who exists, he really is alive. Why was that important to Moses? Well, Moses was raised in the the, the um, religion of the Egyptians. And so he was used to worshiping idols. He was used to um, uh, magic and enchantments. And he could get some... They could get some action from the spirit realm, but it wasn't a living thing. You know, when you, when you can, if, if a a demon can help you to change a stick into a snake, you, he hasn't revealed himself to you. You've just seen him do a trick or two. But when God shows up, God reveals himself to you as God. I mean, he, he is a living God. He's a pre-existent God. He's a powerful God. He can talk to you. Those, now those demons talk to people, but they don't have any kind of wise, he, they can't really relate to you the way God can. I put it to you that way. God loves you. He created you. He knows what you're here for. So he is relatable. You are relatable to him and he's relatable to you on that level. On the level of knowing you. Demons don't know you. They know about you. They, they can't get in your, they can watch you for a season and try and trick you based on what you reveal to yourself about them. But God doesn't need you to reveal anything about you to him. He knows it all already. And he loves us anyway. And he's got a plan for us anyway. And he wants to help us anyway. He wants to get us over where he is so he can make a difference and make an impact in our lives. Amen. And so God drawing us to him without us getting in fear and without hesitation and and all of that. You know, sometimes we stay busy for God. I've done this. I was so, God, I want to work for you. I want to do this for you. I want to do this. He said, well, I want to do something for you too. I said, <gasps> you know, that don't compute with your religion. You know what it's more like, God, you stay over there and let me do what I think will please you. But I don't ever want no feedback. I don't want to ever come to you and tell you anything that I really think, really want, really. <laughs> we keep him at arms. Huh? Hello. So really what he wants is for us to let all of that go. You know, let your preconceived ideas about what he wants from you, what he he'll want nothing from you. You need to want more from him. And not things you need to want more of his mind, more understand him more. What, what am I really here for day to day? Am I pleasing you, God? Is, is what I'm doing, uh, gonna get me to where you want me to go? Show me what you want. Show me the way. Show me who you are. Show me that I can trust you. Show me that you're the type of God that I think you are, that I want you, I need you to be this in my life, God. 
And see, many times what we really need him to be for us, we're scared to ask for. Because we've been disappointed so much by people. You've never been disappointed by God. But we've been disappointed by people a lot. But we still go back to people. Still looking at people. Still depending on people. Still wondering what people think. What they do. And so it's in keeping still that you get your head straightened out. Huh? Stopping the gibberish and the jabber and the, you know, just have a, 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 like God spoke to us in the prophetic song. Just come and sit down on my lap. I want to talk to you. Huh? See, I, when, if anybody's been married, you shouldn't be doing this if you ain't married. But, but when you, you hear me over there, sis? You ain't doing it if you ain't married. Huh? <laughs> but I, I can remember times when, I would get wound up, you know, about one thing or another. And, you know, I'll be sitting there, you'd be reading the paper or doing something that looked boring. He said, come here a minute. And I said, <laughs> break down and melt down and, you know, and sit on his lap. Yeah, I sat on my husband's lap. I can tell you that. Married people do that. And he said, what is wrong? And, you know, two or three minutes, I'm straight. You understand what I'm saying? Wasn't what you thought, was it? Huh? No, but you know what I'm saying. But it's the comfort, it's the security, it's the pulling yourself back into normal that God wants to do with us. And cut your running around and making plans and wondering if I should do this. And should I, should I get up and worship 30 minutes or 10 minutes? Is 10 minutes enough? Is 20 minutes more? Shut up. Come here. Sit down. Cut it out. Huh? And just be still. It's in stillness that we know him. You know why? Because you quit your program and you let him start taking over and telling you things. And boy, that hurts us because we can't shut up for like five minutes to let God just rest in his presence or rest right where we are and allow him to make the first move. Huh? Too many aggressive people out here, you know. Women chasing men down and stalking them and all this. So you don't don't be stalking God. That's not where you're going to find out who he is. You're going to find it in stillness. So be still and know that I'm God. That word still means to sink. Like when you're so tired. You ever get so tired you walk in the house and just drag the groceries in. And the first big comfortable chair you get you sink down into it. huh? Because you want that to support you now. So you're sinking into God. It means to relax. Remember that word? Just let it go. It means to abandon Abandon what? Abandon yourself to the plan of God. Abandon your your plans that you had. Abandon your busy stuff that you you abandon. Let go of everything. Don't even bring a request to this party. Got me? Just be still. You'll learn something. 
when you when you can can be a good listener when you can be a person that that God can get your attention and and he can he knows that you're focused in on him so you're allowing him to orchestrate the relationship then that's a scary thing but it should be what we we desire all the time it really means to become helpless to make yourself helpless we know we can all do a lot of wonderful things but make yourself helpless it means to cease just stop it it means to have courage yeah it's a courageous thing to just let God have control and not try to run anything yourself it means to be frail to fall limp people want to debate uh, I do I ain't gonna fall I go up to all them other people fall them weak people fall uh, falling is always a sign of surrender Amen. I always feel better get up off that floor than I do trying to resist and stay up on my feet you know why not try it sometimes see if you won't if it won't change you but falling limp is always a sign of surrender and stillness it means to let them alone just let him alone don't say it don't talk to God don't tell him anything just let him alone it means to let go it means to wait to slacken up it also means to drop your wings as a bird catching a wind current would do so a bird ceases his labor of moving his wings and he drops them because he's found a current that he can glide in on and that's the presence of God that's what God wants he wants you to glide in on the wind of his spirit and let that carry you to be still also means to take an easy life this is much easier it may take a little bit of rebuking yourself and spanking your hands to get used to it but it's an easy life amen it is in letting things alone that we experience god's power in letting them alone <clears throat> that we experience god's power second corinthians 12 if you'll turn there the Apostle Paul has a, a message for you. And this is Paul's <clears throat> situation and, and it, it may seem extreme to us but uh, this was a Christian life as a, as a leader at that, during that time. And Paul starts in verse 1. He said, it's not expedient for me 
doubtful doubtless to glory it will come to i will come to visions and revelations of the lord so he was a person that when he praised god he started to send into the heavenlies and begin to see visions and revelations he said i knew a man in christ above 14 years ago whether in the body i cannot tell or whether out of the body i cannot tell god knows such a one was caught up into the third heaven And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, But now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seems me to be or that he hears of me. In other words, I'm going to be careful in the way I speak about the things that I've seen from heaven because I don't want to be taken as somebody who's above what I really am. Got me? What Paul's saying here is that there are things that God will do with you, through you, for you, that If you tell them out of school or you don't tell them by unction or you don't tell them with the right spirit behind it, it can have a damning effect, have a detrimental effect on things. There are people who uh, have made um, a living, so to speak, off of their testimony. But there are times when that testimony ceases and another one needs to come into play. You understand what I'm saying? And so there are times where we need to be admonished by the Holy Spirit as to what revelations to reveal, what things to share, what things can be said. Um, A lot of that uh, needs to be held in greater esteem sometimes than I think we, we think it's about. Like for instance, when my husband was alive, I would, I shared my testimony maybe one or two times. Because it was problems in our marriage that that led me to have a nervous breakdown. Now, if you're a person who's trying to live for God and you get saved, you don't want to be the person that messed somebody's life up and that be told over and over. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to be careful even in sharing things that you know. Well, so, And now if I'm ministering to somebody one-on-one, I can talk to them. You talk a little more freely about things as something totally different. But in publicly declaring certain things, and especially revelations that come from God, sometimes people want to be known as the person that went to heaven or the person that got this from God or that. So you really do have to be careful. And this is all Paul is saying. He was, he was, he, we believe him to have been that man. See, we, what he says here, he doesn't even tell you that was him. You know, he's so careful about sharing things like that. And so he said, verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So God told him why these things happen. And many times... Your flesh hears good report just like your spirit man can put it out. Your flesh man can hear what your spirit man is saying about his experiences in God. And there are times when your flesh will want to catch that up and start boasting of it on its own. And so what what God does 
He makes sure you keep something in your life to keep you humble. He'll keep something in your life that will cause you to reflect and say, oh, I still got work to do. Or it'll put you in doubt as to how wonderful you are. You understand what I'm saying? Because we can all get real wonderful after one answer to prayer or one somebody that say they got blessed by what we did or something like that. You can all get real wonderful like that. But but then God sends that messenger from Satan to buffet you. He's always poking at you and reminding you that you got flesh to deal with, reminding you you got to forgive this person, reminding you you got to stay on your face before God. And so this is what Paul was given because of the abundance of revelations so that he would not exalt himself above measure. He says, For this thing I sought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, uh, people, you know, people pick this up and argue about it. You've heard all the arguments. What is Paul's thorn in the flesh? It says right here. Can you read the messenger from Satan? Okay. That's what his thorn was. Well, what that means, just what it says, a messenger from Satan. We've all had them. Amen. They take different forms at different times in life. So it's not a specific thing. It's whatever that message the devil's trying to send you. That's what you're going to get today. You understand me? And so he said he told, asked God three times to take it. In other words, God, make life easy for me. And God refused. Why? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. So it's a greater purpose Now, if you can't find that greater grace, trust me, God will rescue you. But his grace is sufficient for us in all things. So there will be some relief from it. There will be a release from it. There will be a time of of, uh, um, uh, healing from these things. There will be a time of restoration in your life where you are being restored and you, you need to take advantage of it. You need to allow God to put you in a place where uh, you can be ministered to by him, uh, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't think that you're okay like you are. You're okay if God says you are. But, you know, until he gives you, you know, your clean bill of health and your perfect diagnosis, he's going to work on you. You understand me? Uh, I, I was thinking a, a couple years ago when my health started trying to take a nosedive on me. And I clawed and clawed and clawed and, and prayed and prayed and prayed and tried to hang on and hang on, but I had to let go. You got me? And just put myself in, in Holy Ghost triage. You've got to do what you've got to do. And I realized that the world... This ministry, Cleveland, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, were not going to evaporate because I couldn't get up and, and go where I usually went every weekend. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't stay home. I was in the service, but I wasn't doing the thing. You know what the thing is? That thing that you do that God likes that keeps you. That's why you live. You know, your thing. And so I realized my thing wasn't what I thought it was, importance-wise. That God and everybody else can live without me doing my thing. Huh? Huh? And so, 
It's the same thing with you. That thing that you think is keeping you going is so, oh, I gotta get, oh, I got, I gotta, gotta, gotta. Huh? And to be honest with you, once I had to lay it down, I, after I got used to not being nervous about picking it back up again, I found like this ain't bad at all. You got me? This might work out for my good after all. Sometimes you need a rest from you. You know? Huh? (laughs) You need to back yourself up. Jackie said she was going to get embarrassed if I said that. No, you won't. (laughs) But you do. You just need to put it in reverse. And just back it up a little bit and let God have that. Let him sever you from it. Let him let you stop all that stuff. And get still. Let it go. Don't pick it up. No matter how many times you're tempted to pick it up and see how important you are to everybody and everything in the whole wide world. Take the easy life is what it says here. And God told Paul, he said, no, I'm not going to take nothing from you. Because I'm God and I have a purpose in everything that I bring in your life. The good, the bad, the indifferent, the ugly, the stuff that don't move. Huh? The ten pounds you keep losing and gaining it back. I got a purpose for all this. My grace is sufficient for you. You understand? what Everything. I don't care how much you hate it. I don't care how much you despise it. His grace is you. There is a purpose for it all. He adds it all up. The good. (laughs) I add some more to that. Long, Long list. The bad. Short list. And the ugly. Shorter list. And he draws a line and says, it's all good. Huh? But you got to let him show you that. You got to let him let you know that. And it only comes when you let stuff go and quit trying to impress him, quit trying to show him what you want to do, quit trying to include him in everything. Make sure you do three hallelujahs and a couple Hail Marys and So Paul said this. He said God told him he said my grace is, is enough for you. I mean it's more than enough. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. (gasps) But God, they call me the great woman of paste and flour. How could I, how could I cease to prophesy and the kingdom keep going? Uh, Very well. Very well. Thank you very much. You got me? He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, in the stillness of God, your real self is revealed. Your weaknesses are exposed. What you can't do gets exposed. huh? And how much you need to depend on him gets established. So you come out of this if you God releases you from it with revelation and knowledge and understanding far exceeding anything that you knew about him going in see in that stillness there are things that transpire between you and God where you couldn't see them before 
because your focus was blurry because you're so busy trying to keep up with everything and do everything be important and you know keep yourself going if I don't do this I'll just die huh might as well huh put the stake in the heart because it's got to happen before you'll know who God is you ever see these people had these testimonies about Oh, I had a stroke and I was paralyzed for sin and, 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 and God, you know, and like nine months later, God, I started to walk God healed me. They said, and it was the best time I ever had in God. And you go, ah! <laughs> you want to get the vampire oil out. Cause stop that. Huh? Flat on your back, can't talk, and it was the best. I do it all over again for what I learned about God during that, huh? We hate them testimonies because nobody wants to have that happen to them. But if that's stillness, then that's, it's going to work to your good. See, if it stills you and if it gets you to pay the price of not being everything that you think you're supposed to be to everybody all the time. But you get tired of that anyway, but you don't want to tell anybody because you're a good Christian. Paul said, most gladly then, (laughs) I'm glad for it. The messenger from Satan, I'm glad for him. I would rather glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hmm. Weak, then strong, still, but powerful. See, sometimes in your stillness, the most power comes forth in your life. It's not in your getting out and doing and proving. It's in your stillness that you know God's power. He said, therefore I take pleasure in what? Weaknesses, reproaches, people talking about you, necessities, don't have certain things, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong so Paul is laying down a principle of strength in God and that is to have your weakness brought out have your weakness pronounced have your weakness brought to the forefront everybody wants to look good look strong look powerful look everything but he says in my weakness That's when I'm made strong. It's in letting things alone that we experience God's power. Because if he don't move, we don't have anything to contribute to it. And if we don't contribute anything, we can't, we don't block the revelation of God that's going to come forth. Sometimes by our continual doing, we block what God wants to reveal about himself to us. Because he never gets a chance to really do anything. Because we're so anxious about things not getting done. Huh? And is it times of wasting, God? Where, where is it at? Where is it at? So, so God says, glory in your weakness. Glory in the things that you don't like about yourself. Huh? Glory in the, you know, same 10 pounds. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. Oh, here's my friend, the 10 pounds. Lost it, there it's back again. You know, glory in those things. 
Say, God, you know, I'm going to be still and maybe you can tell me something that's going to help me get my health back the way I want it to be. It's going to help me get my physical strength back the way I want it to be. Help me with those things, God. No matter how long it takes. You got me? It just, if you can be still and quit going on the internet and, and looking at the, the uh, keto, paleo, Atkins, low carb, it's good reading material too. It's just we read, 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 ain't doing none of it. We reading a lot. You know, just back up off of that. And let God then begin to bring you things in your life. Most of the things we dislike about us, our motives are wrong. We're all twisted up in the way we see ourselves and the way we understand life. And we're just going by images that we see out there in the public, you know, in the, in the media and in places like that. You know, and so if we can stay away from that and get still into God... Just get into him and be still there. He can open up understanding to you and knowledge to you and hope and help for you that you never even knew existed before because you're so busy out there trying to fix it yourself. You got me? And so we quit trying to fix it and just take the easy life, no matter if it makes us anxious. You can be a little nervous when you let go of things. And let God start doing it. But but you'll get used to it. Amen. And you'll see it's the better way to go. So Paul said he delighted when things happened that were out of his control. Oh my goodness. It's very opposite of the way the carnal mind thinks and the way we think about things. Because the minute a prayer is delayed, we want to know what we did wrong. Huh? And how to fix it. We assume there's a problem. And we assume that we're the solution. And so if you will be still and let God be God, you may find out that you're just going through normal life, but the devil's making you make more of it than is really there. So you'll learn that much, if nothing else. Man, you mean that's the devil's been talking to me all this time? Oh, religious devil that followed me from kindergarten to grade school and graduation and, huh? Same old thing. We want to know everything beforehand so that we can control it as we go. The carnal man does not like the life of faith. Because faith really means stepping out on nothing but his word. And then when that word starts to, you know how if you feel you're out on a limb and you get shaky. The only thing left for you to do is add more word under your feet. See? And take another step with nothing else but the word. And that takes you far as it can go. You get nervous with that and you must add more word to it to keep going. You got me? And see what many times we do is when we start getting shaky, we swear, we swear God's not out there with us. But really we're just getting our feet accustomed to the life of faith. You're getting acclimated to, uh, to the high wire act that faith is sometimes. You got me? It, it, it can be more secure than that if we would add some things to the word. We, you know, you add a little warfare to that and resisting of the devil and making sure he stays out of things and you can get yourself solid in God's word 
But there are going to be some new things that come along all the time where you're going to have to just be still until God shows up and shows you what you need. Instead of getting out there trying stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of steps and formulas. I'm tired of grabbing the confession every time you feel condemned because you haven't confessed the word recently. Or, oh, let me get, oh yeah, I know what I'll do. I'll read my Bible for a whole hour today and that will make up for yesterday and the day before and the day before when I didn't do anything. I'm tired of that. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. And I would rather have a real relationship with the living God and just put all that stuff aside and repent for trying to blow God's mind with how spiritual we are. Got me? Being still is getting to know God through fellowship and worship in the word. Every day he plans for us a deeper revelation of who he is. This is a mind blower because we really think Christianity is about us, but it's about God. Stillness allows God to make the situation. He takes charge and he leads for a change. Instead of us dragging him around everywhere. Meditation is a large part of stillness. We mutter his word and allow it to become a part of us and empower us to trust him. Just ruminating in your head about what God says in his word. Father, your word says, no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. I'm always looking for things outside of me. Show me what's inside of me that's a weapon against me that's trying to prosper in my life. You got me? Just anything that he might come and throw your way, a new way of thinking about that same scripture that you think you know already. This is how stillness works to bring what God wants to the table. And it's not so much. See, if you keep bringing you forward, it's what you do, what you don't do. You're almost like your God. You know, he's like sitting on the sidelines waiting for you to get finished with your your discourse on you. But if you can just not bring anything into the conversation, God, I am just here. For whatever, if you don't want me around today, that's cool. If you want me around, I'm here. You want to show me stuff, cool. If you don't want to show me stuff, cool. Stillness does not have to mean just sitting there, you know, in your prayer closet, whatever that is. You know, I don't have one, but you know what I'm saying. People have them, but you know what I'm saying. But it can be just not have anything on. This is a big challenge for people. No TV, no worship music. Oh, my worship music, that's so holy and that puts me in the mood. For what? More of the same. For all you little religious devils to come and keep you company. Huh? Them devils. Huh? The old Kyrie devils. 
Huh? You can be still and then anticipating God. See? That's the best place to be. Have something in your heart that you decide. God, I just want you to talk to me. I just want to know whatever it is you want me. Put that request out there and then withdraw your interest in something else, your your mind wandering. If it wanders, bring it back. But let that stillness come in and overtake you. And when that finally overtakes you, then you'll know that he's God. Amen. He wants people to know him. When Moses would, would have to retreat from everything and go up to a mountain before God, God wanted there to be evidence on Moses when he came back that he hadn't been up there goofing off, huh? slacking up. The people didn't want to hear what God had. But so he allowed Moses to get a stamp when he left his presence. He said, Moses, I'm going to stamp you with something so that you will remember this time that we had together. And that's what God wants for all of us. He wants to stamp us with a knowledge of him. He wants to stamp us with something that won't fade away. And when it starts to fade away, then you got to go back up and retreat again and get some more. You got me? He wants us hungry for him more than anything else. And that only happens if you shut everything down and get still before him. Amen? So meditation is a part of stillness. Your mind will wander. It will go on 15 different things. You'll get up and try to go do something. And remember, you're supposed to be trying to be quiet. You understand what I'm saying? But you'll get it right. Amen. You'll get it right. Because God is there with you, helping you, and trying to take you to a greater dimension of peace and a greater dimension of understanding him and awareness of him. Some of these things that... that uh, uh, we go through as as believers or or sometimes parents you go through with your children your children can be great mysteries to you until you get still before god and then he'll start to reveal things that that you need to know about them so you can understand them amen See, in your carnal life, you're always looking for who they look like so and so that's just like me. No. Cut it out. You need to hear what God has to say about them. Amen. Because that's the most important thing. You know, oh, they do well in school. They do the no. That's only a tenth of what their capability is. You need to find out what God sees in your child. Because the thing that you despise in them is the very thing that's going to open the door for everything they need in life sometimes. And you need to get before God and find out what that thing is. That thing that kind of gets them in trouble because they run their mouth too much. Or it gets them in trouble because they're too inquisitive. Or it gets them in trouble because they wind up. I was talking to somebody and they said their their child, who is an adult, kind of getting up there in the 40s, an adult now. Always. They said, you know, he he always gets in trouble somewhere. He'll go and buy a ticket to some island somewhere and be very happy island hopping. And I'm praying every day and wondering about him and worried about him. And then I lose touch and I wind up, he's 
uh, at the American Council somewhere, you know, consulate in some some city somewhere, and I, I got to pray him out of these things. And I, I said, have you ever thought he might be obeying the call of God? People just don't get up and do that. What young man takes their heart on earned money and wants to go to Borneo or someplace like that? Just because they feel led to go. I said to pray for him to find out what God's doing in this thing. If God's in it somewhere, unless it get it directed in the right direction. Huh? So the worry that you have might be a gift tangled up in their flesh somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? Gifts get entangled in the humanity of humans. And you need to get still before God and kind of get some understanding about things. Sometimes, you know, girls are not just high strung all the time. Sometimes they're prophetic. They're sensing things and feeling things. You need to give them more word. You don't do anything else. Get more word into them. You understand what I'm saying? Not more discipline and more chores, but get them in love with the word of God. Pray that they can get in love with the word of God. And start understanding things. But it's in the stillness that God can speak these things to you. And you're confident in them. Huh? And it's not Barb telling everybody, you know, trying to boss you around with her gifts. Gifted people. Everybody in here is gifted. They're just all misdirected every kind of which way. Some of you are sick and tired of yourselves because you're frustrated because you don't know how to get your gift loose and let it do what God's. You're not spiritual enough to let it flow like it's supposed to. Some gifts are for humanity. I mean, you don't have any control over their final destination. Usually I let it go and let God do what he wants to do with it. You can't hold it back. And people who don't understand you want to put you in a, a category somewhere. You know, plug you into their life somewhere that's convenient for them. And they don't know. And and sometimes the devil will get possessive people around you because they can see the level of expansion that comes out of your spirit when that gift gets turned on. And put people around you that want to keep you on lockdown all your life. You need to get in still with God and start understanding these things. You know, I see people that, that have gifts that can change a world. And they're stuck with somebody that don't care half about them and don't want them going nowhere, doing anything. Don't want to think too much about God. That's heartbreaking. I feel it. You understand what I'm saying? You look at it and say, man, this thing, this person could rock, you know. South Africa, if they got developed enough in God. Here they're stuck over here in this hole in Podunk, Ohio, doing not a whole lot but feeling like a failure most of the time. You know, they're people's simple gifts. Like, you know, some of these people, cooking people. You know, whoever thought somebody would, would get an audience of people Thousands of people with a pan in front of them cooking. Huh? But who thought that simple act of preparing a meal would be a key to keeping families together? Now see, if y'all ain't put that together yet, you ain't been paying attention. Martha Stewart went to prison because the devil is jealous of that. Hospitality gift, remember that? 
Yeah, we've forgotten that one. But see, people are paying heavily because they have a gift that will change and revolutionize the world and the devil hates it. So God wants to give us a deeper knowledge of who we are through experiencing him. See, it's through your experience of God that you, because see, we're reflections of him. You'll start to see goodness and greatness and power and, and, and ability in God. And then you'll start reflecting and saying, you know, now I understand why I'm like this. Huh? You'll understand because you finally come before the proper image where you can reflect off of him. And get an understanding of who you are. Get an understanding. Why do you, why are you always concerned about people in the world? Amen. And, and why are you always concerned about people and how they live and if they have peace in their homes, etc. Do they have food on the table? You're concerned about that. You'll see God's concerned about that. And that will give you great peace about who you are. I'm not so crazy after all. I'm not you. Yeah. As you mutter the word of God, it empowers you. To be able to trust him. So you know we all think about our confession. You know. You're just as confession deranged as I am sometimes. You know. It's, I got to confess the word. Oh I got a pain. Oh I'm healed. By the stripes I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Hey Macarena. No. <laughs> but you know, might as well. That's all you're doing. It's trying to ward off the evil, the evil pain spirit with your confession. There's no more faith in that than we grab that confession in a minute, man. Woo! That's everything. I confess the word. I'm good. It's all good. Maybe you need to ask God to, to take that messenger from Satan who buffets you. With that pain away from you. Shocking. Huh? Shocking. Well, let me think. Now, the faith people tell me if I, I can ask one time, if I ask twice this unbelief, and I, <laughs> you might as well sing Kyrie, 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 Eleisa. You understand what I'm saying? Any religious thing will do. You know, you could take out your holy water. You know, somebody somebody gave me about a bag full of blessed oil. And I look at it sometimes. I say, I wonder if... <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> Is that more blessed than what we do? <laughs> Stop it. You can do more in just letting all that go. And listening for God to tell you what to do for a change instead of going grabbing all your little trinkets and amulets and uh, rabbit's foot. <laughs> Eye of newt, you know, <laughs> bat wing, you know, uh, seriously, he's, really. Yeah. So a deeper knowledge of God is obtained through stillness. That's what you're after when you know he's God, not only that he is God. But you got to know certain things about him. 
that he is yet to reveal to you. He's not going to reveal it to you on the fly. That will be like a bunch of other thoughts that come to you. He's holy. He deserves some respect. He deserves deserves time. He deserves first place. Uh, Excuse me. I'm God. That means I get first. By definition. So a deeper knowledge of him is obtained through stillness. God in his stillness he is not responding but initiating. So when we go in and pray and make a request that is not stillness. Because we're making him respond and we're looking for him to respond. In stillness he's not responding he's initiating. Hmm? It's like being at a dance and that cute boy that you were hoping would be at the dance is at the dance. And it's all you can do to keep like he's over he's over here with Sheree is and you over here you go. God don't allow that. You stay right over there and wait for him to initiate the interaction. Huh? In the meantime, just allow your mind to meditate on his goodness. Allow your mind to meditate on who he is. Um, Allow yourself to rehearse in your mind some of the wonderful things that God has done for you. I don't remember any. That's because you don't do this too much. You got me? And so we should, we should be a wealth of experiences in God at all times. If, if you can't think of things that he's done for you, ask him to tell you. God, was that you that did so and so? God, was that you that did huh? A deeper knowledge of God is obtained through stillness. He's not responding, but he's initiating. It'll take something out of you. He is not reacting, but activating. So he initiates, he activates, he gets the ball rolling. We see God as sovereign when we are still. That's the only way you're going to know his sovereignty. You don't do anything to make him respond to you. We let go of all control when we are still. And we must take God at his word that he is good though we don't see anything or get any reaction. Now everybody's looking for the earth to shake because you spent five minutes in the presence of God and it don't shake. So what do you do? You stay there longer but you definitely got to go back again. Because the first time there... You may not see anything that you perceive as having been worth your time. You know how we got our time's valuable. I spent all that time prayer and I don't see no difference. Well, who are you praying to? Why don't you stop that and be still? Just live in a place of anticipation of good and thanksgiving before God. And see if he'll take the reins of your life and start moving you over into easier places to dwell. Places that there's great favor. 
places where there's great abundance, places where uh, uh, where the Bible says the lion's whelp has not trod. See, there's places where you know it's like uh, baby lion cubs would go run off from the mothers, and the mothers would wait for them to come back, and they don't know where they've been. And it's places underneath those little feet get to and little places to get into where there's safety in God. Because it must be safety there because he came back home. You see what I'm saying? So those new places that God wants us to dwell with him. He many times will hide himself from us that we might meet the requirements of seeking before we can find. If he's too Available and too handy, you don't meet the requirements of faith in what you do. It's like the real cute boyfriend. You know? It's like when they give you a little attention, you're like, that's the way God wants us to be about him. Y'all too religious for this? Or what's what's wrong with y'all? I don't know. You know what God told me one time? He said, you Christians, when he says stuff like that, I said, hmm, my ears here. He said, you Christians have no romance in your soul. So you let the devil pluck it all out and put religion in there instead. I would Sometimes I would hear in my spirit, shooby-dooby-doo, and I'd get goosebumps. I didn't know that was Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? He said, you thought you liked old blue eyes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. That, that's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. You Christians, y'all. You going to miss your husband? You going to miss your wife? You going to miss... Now, I'm talking romance. I ain't talking about sleeping with nobody and this stuff that people in the world do. You know what I'm saying? But I'm talking about, you know, he has he told you lately how much he loves you? Huh? He going to mess your head up for three days with it. Huh? I've never had a man tell me that. They scared to. Because they scared I'm going to make them do it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> You know, men don't make promises. Babe, I'm going to mess your head up for three days. Do it. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> Woo. Well, just talking. Just talking prophetically. Let me go back in my shell. Let me bless myself three times. Shut up, Cece. Reverend Bruce over there. <laughs> When Paul said his grace is sufficient for us, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. We need to understand how to still ourselves before God. We need stillness of mind, stillness of emotions, and stillness of impulses in order to allow God to be himself. There is a grace released in the will of God and in the stillness of God. And that grace allows us to remove ourselves from the working to attain our desires. 
so you cease from your labor. This is your Sabbath rest. This is your your uh, Sunday every day thing. You got me? You can have Sunday every day in God. And you can rest before him. Confidence in God is the key. You've got to know that this is important. You've got uh, a date with God. And it's important for you to keep it. Amen. And so that confidence allows you to trust him. Confidence is faith. Same thing. It says faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. Faith is also confidence in God. Period. See? It also points to something that we haven't seen yet. And something that we desire. But faith is confidence in God. It allows us to trust him. Confidence, which I can call strong faith, comes through hearing the word. It is essential that we not just wait as if time in itself is all that needs to transpire before we can allow God to move. But we must wait in faith and confidence means we know God will manifest himself, period. If we wait in unbelief, it won't be very fruitful. You have to wait before God expecting that he will show up. I remember somebody talking about they were waiting for God, uh, looking for God to empower them for their ministry. And they were saying they prayed for for days and, and prayed for this and prayed for that and and prayed in tongues till they got jaw got sore and all this kind of stuff and and I I was thinking about it. I said, God, I said, did I ever do that? He said, you didn't have to. Hmm. And I didn't ask why. I just took mine and ran. You understand what I'm <laughs> Now, I'm not saying what that brother did was wrong. But God told me I didn't have to. I said, oh, cool. <laughs> You know what? You can be so religiously smart. You put extra work on everything you get from God. You understand me? You can hear testimonies. People say, I shut up for three days. I consecrate myself. You know, you'd be doing stuff like hamburger ain't enough. You know, this week we got bratwurst and cheese. You know what I'm saying? Or, or liverwurst and cheese. You know, something real fatty and real, yeah, here we go. Consecrate myself. I will not touch that salami. I will not, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Not that that's wrong. If God, now I've done that. I've done that to, to get, get an increase in anointing, you know, and things like that. And, and then God showed me just how to be still. See, you can create the scenario for your faith to work. Or you can be still and let God do everything. See, we can put too many roadblocks, too many stipulations, and too many. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can just touch him, I'm going to be healed. And she was right there touching Well, this guy had, had come up in the line before him. And he said, come to my house. Jesus said, cool. Well, this chick then held him up because she pulling virtue out of him. He got to stop and deal with her. 
So, you know, just setting a simple scenario can bump you up to the head of the line. Where somebody else is laboring and waiting. Now he got to go through the trauma of the daughter dying. And Jesus, ah, stop, ah, ah. Don't you quit believing. You make it harder for yourself with all these stipulations. If he could have did like the centurion, just speak the word and I know she'll be healed. He'd have saved himself the suffering of going through knowing she died. And God, I got to believe for a bigger miracle now. All our little religious rules and regulations. I got to do this. I got to do that. So we need stillness of mind. We have to seek, cease making our own plans for our needs. You don't know what you need. We must be determined and decisive. You have to make a a decision and have a determined will to hold on to that decision. Got me? Our schemes is how we can get it faster. The mind is capable of conceiving what we desire. A still mind is settled on the will of God because it trusts God. So it's not just about getting what you want and getting it fast and getting it slick and scheming on it. But it is trusting God. God, you know what I need. You know what's going to bless me. You know what's best for me. See, that will cause your your uh, uh, faith Steps in formula mind to be blown to smithereens. Because, you know, we all have write the vision down, make it plain. Uh, put a name on your seed. Call what you call those things that be now. You don't know which rabbit to pull out of which hat on which day. You got so many of them. But if you can be still, and I'm not saying God won't have you employ some of those things. But you being still before him will let you know what to do. And it's going to work. And it must work. Amen. Because he's God and he told you. Out of his own mouth he told you these things. So your mind is capable of conceiving. But if you can let your mind be settled on the will of God. Because you trust God. A still mind meditates continually on his word day and night. In other words, and I'm not saying, now you know that sounds silly when you think about it, because we don't do it. I mean, all day, all night, all day, all night, that's all you think about is a word. But what that says is that you start out with the word. You make that your foundation at the beginning of your day. Not worrying about what you're going to do when you get to work and who's going to be there and what they're going to do and how you're going to handle this and what you're going to do about that. And when do I get my lunch? Hmm? You understand? Oh, don't do none of that. Start your day off with God. All of the things that happen in between that, that day, you sandwich it in between God. God in the morning, God at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, your last thoughts are God. God, I thank you for what you did today. I can't think of anything right off the head, but now... If you put something out there, I can say amen or I forgot. You understand what I'm saying? Let's get with it here. And sandwich your day between the word of God. 
Thank you, God. To, to give me good sleep tonight. I, you know, I'm going to need it. I'm, I'm going to trust you for tomorrow. Tomorrow will be a good day. Tomorrow will be a blessed day. Tomorrow, Begin to prophesy about your tomorrow. And turn that television off. I don't know who's up at night now. All that kind of stuff. But it's a repeat, whatever it is. <laughs> you just saw it already twice. So shut it off. Shut it down. And let God be your omega thought for that day. Amen. Amen. Satan will set up situations to cause you to doubt God's ability to perform what he has promised. God's going to do this. Whatever he promised you, he's got to do it. Or you wouldn't involve him. If you thought you could do it, you wouldn't give him the time of day. So be peaceful about trusting God. So that's keeping your mind still. Still in the word. Stillness of emotions. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Be steadfast and immovable. Steadfast and immovable. Always abounding in the work of God. So if you're steadfast, that means that you are anchored and you are moored to a resting place. Just like a, a an anchor Anchors down a ship, even though winds and waves will come against it and toss it, it's still there. If that rope holds, it's there. And and that's what you are. Your emotions are steadfast and immovable in God. You're not looking to fly off the handle. See, unstable emotions always reflect on an unstable mind. you got, you got to get a grip on that. You understand what I'm saying? You can control your thoughts. And you can put a check on your emotions. You don't have to be a wild person running around. You can be a godly person moving in the power of God at all times. So if you are steadfast and immovable, then you have opportunity to take on the strength of God because he is constantly infusing you with his ideas, his power, his strength. He's giving you a constant feeding of what he's thinking about at all times. So your emotions don't have to be, you know, up and down. Just get your mind in gear. You know, don't be sloppy in your thinking. And allow your mind to, to settle in on thoughts of God. Settle in on peaceful things. You don't need to be excited all the time. Amen. Go sit down somewhere. So steadfast means not giving to fluctuation or moving off course. It's well seated and well stationed. And so when you are steadfast and immovable, you're in a good place. Amen. You're well seated. You're seated and and positioned to succeed, to prosper, to excel, to go way beyond what you ask or you think you're capable of doing. You'll go far beyond anything because God has a chance to work with you. Give him a chance to work with you. Learn how to let him be in your stillness. Some people don't like being quiet. They think it's idleness and they got to jump up and start doing something. Just chill out, okay? You'll find that you can actually do this. You don't have to be busy all the time. People think they're wasting time if they're not up running, go buying something, looking at something. Let me get out to the... Huh? Come on, y'all. 
we've got bigger fish to fry here. We've got a world to change with the gospel. You're not going to get it done jumping up and running around all the time. We also need to have stillness of impulses. James 1.19 says to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And all of this comes from having a stillness in your mind. Your soul's got to be at peace to be like this. Impulsiveness happens as a result of mental turmoil and not being settled on the decision to trust God. You've got to be settled on that and immovable. We have a desire to see our dreams come to pass or an opportunity appears to be able to provide what we desire. And we jump at the opportunity as though it won't, won't remain there. Anything that God has for you, you put your foot on it. In fact, you should have called it to your life by the word. So you get up and you stand on it. And while you're standing, the devil's telling you, well, this is not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You're not going to get this. You go, who do you think you are? You can't. God won't do that for you. You don't pray enough. You know, And while he's tempting you to do your own thing and go your own way with all of those thoughts, you remain standing on, no, devil, I got my promise on lockdown. Now you can tell me all this stuff you're trying to tell me won't work for me because who you think I am. Do you know who I am, devil? Huh? Huh? I'm the seed of that guy Abraham that you couldn't stop from getting blessed even in his old age. You got me? I'm the same breed. Amen? And so when you under, amen, when you understand who you are by being still before him, It's a great deal. It's great to reflect on who God is. Because I'm telling you, at the end of that little conversation with him, where you keep your mouth shut conversation, you'll know so much more about yourself. When he reveals who he is, he allows you to have a part of that. You begin to see yourself in that light. And you begin to understand that you are made in his image. That you are an outshining of God. That you are a good reflection of him in the earth. Amen. Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to understand you and know you. We want to practice.